Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We are from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, your number one spot for all your sports wagering information. They've got all the sports that you can imagine on a very easy-to-navigate website. You can check it on your desktop or your mobile device. They have contests live scores, in-game betting, giveaways all season long. So check them out, and we got a deal for you. You sign up today, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. It's bet online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National More Good Today Day. It's a day that is observed to encourage kindness and generosity. Happy Draft dudes successfully get the show off the ground day today to you, which I was not sure we were going to be able to accomplish there for a little while, but we're, we made it. We're here. We're going to do more good today on draft dudes. Legitimately thought that I was going to have to do the intro for the show. Like it was almost going to be the rare Chris does it was the worst better than this. That's how bad the intro got. Haters are furious. Off the rails. We pulled it well, off. We're here. We're into the show. <laughs> So, Joe, why is that your new thing? You've been saying that a lot lately when we talk the about haters something like, are man, furious. You're like always, the haters are furious. No. You always have to manufacture doubt, right? You have to believe that there are people are out there that believe that you can't do things. So that way you can rise to the occasion and have that chip on your shoulder, you know? So I, I try to manufacture what? that in every possible way I can. I appreciate that, Joe. That's the approach I'm going to take in the Two Truths and a Lie on Friday. So thank you for giving me that motivation. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. I got to put that together here in the next couple of days so we can record that podcast. Oh, God. Um, all right. So check the tape. Uh, Levy Grail today. One team. Welcome to the dance. That list is going to start populating pretty big here over the last few weeks. It, so, like, we're going to have to have, like, a week. Like, Levy Grail week. Because it's so crowded. Like, the playoff eligibility. There's... 31 teams that are still mathematic. No, that draft dudes do math. We're already wrong. Uh, 29 teams, right? It's 29 teams that are mathematically still eligible for the playoffs. I mean, well, technically 28 since the Eagles have already clinched, but yeah, I don't want to be that guy. You were, you were that guy. You did it. Right. Well, no, I didn't say that, that we're not eliminated. The Eagles are eligible for the playoffs. They're, they're in the playoffs. So they're, they're one of 29 NFL teams that, have a chance to be represented in the playoffs. So what happens when week 17 comes and goes and half the league gets eliminated? <laughs> I'm trickle. dead serious. How, well, I, how, I don't know out, how man. much it's going to trickle, dude. I well, don't know I how much out. it's going to trickle. Well, I will tell you that the Levy Grail this week is taking the place of the tier maker. And so the tier maker might go for that week. The big boards might go for that. Like we might have to just move some stuff around. 
for that given week and figure it out. We'll, we'll, why don't we we'll just adjust. do? Why don't we just do word, word association with Levy Grail? <laughs> okay, like okay, you lost. Um, Cleveland Browns have a word association, and then that's it. I, I think we have the capacity for six to eight teams a week, if necessary. If necessary, you're going to get It's going to be a bloodbath. Huh? An absolute bloodbath. We have what two seven and six teams in the AFC side of things on the outside looking in right now. That's right. I believe we have a. Do we have a team with a winning record on the NFC on the outside looking in right now? The Giants. That is correct. correct. So like, and then oh by the way, there's some teams at six and seven, like Detroit. I mean, you you could. Let's take all the energy for expanding the college football playoff and let's let's just put it on the NFL side of things instead. Expand what do you think? It? You want to expand? Yeah, yeah, let's let's expand so the NFL playoff. Expand the play- oh, are you let's expand the NFL playoff. We're already living I in would, a world where an entire division could get ah, in. I don't I don't want to expand the college football playoff, but if you That's told me we had to expand bad. the playoffs in football, Put it either in my hometown fantasy league, in which I lost seven in a row because I had Jamar Chase Cooper Cup and the whole season bombed because I had both those guys out. Nobody cares about my fantasy team, and I understand that. The haters are happy about that one. I'll tell you what, in in the the TDN lifted uh, league, one game off the best record, though, 95, and successfully defeated Chris Schubert. Actually, everybody in the draft dudes won this week in that league, which might be the, the first time that that happened this season. Haters are furious, Joe. Haters are furious. The haters are furious. I am my own hater in this scenario. So yeah, because you didn't pay attention. Four, four and ten, Joe Marino. Marino. I was I was bullied into joining the league. Didn't want to be there, and I'm participating like that. So, all right, here we go. Super disappointing to hear that you feel that way, though. By the way, did you see? No, no one cares about your fantasy team, so we'll do the segment here. Did you guys just see the trade that just happened in that league? Are you going to make me check right now, Chris? I, I need you to check because I think you're going to have the same reaction that I did, and it's going to make you just shake your head, and it might make you throw your phone. Is, am I going to see red? Is it this a 2024-2 for Russell Wilson? That's the trade. In a, in a super flex 2QB league? We're just out here just giving up draft capital for Russell Wilson. Oh, my goodness gracious. Two years down the road? Yeah, a two, yeah. a two, two years from now. By the way, I know what I, I see. I want to shout out Ray, Ray Garvin. I see you. I see you conducting trades, but not updating your roster or your lineup on a weekly basis. I see you tanking for the number one overall pick. <laughs> I see you losing eight straight. Job well done. Accepted a trade five days ago. I played him this week. He didn't update his lineup. Just wow. totally nefarious behavior. We need the com- the competition committee to open an investigation. Yeah, I'll open it up on me and and take away my first round pick. Joe's like, just get do, find a new <laughs> right. find a new <laughs> a new governor to run the team in Please the league, God. right? Like, <laughs> I, it's a shame that you don't want to play with fantasy football with your friends, but it I don't want to play any fantasy football. All right, but. can we check some tape? <laughs> yeah, let's check some tape. <laughs> All right, Kyle, I feel like I go first every week. How about uh, you do that thing? Which which uh, Notre Dame top prospect would you like to Ooh, talk about? Uh, mm, the tight end. Chris, you, you get a vote as well. 
the tight ends, please. Okay, so so you would like to talk about Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. That's what you'd like to talk about. Yeah. So the way that we've been strategizing doing our film study and final reports is as we get senior bowl acceptances and shrine acceptances and underclassmen declarations, we've kind of been putting them on a list. Well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but my region for the first three weeks, four weeks of us doing this has been absolutely buns for the quality of the players that have been that I am regionally responsible for that are getting locked in to the draft via the events or declarations. So bless, bless the Irish for having mayor declare and Foskey take a senior bowl acceptance within 24 hours of each other. Because I said, huh, I can watch not early day three prospects and do write-ups. I can actually do some guys that are close to the top of the draft. So I greedily did them both and, and uh, completely exhausted my quality players that I get to watch as we do this process. But uh, both very interesting players, and we've elected to talk about Michael Mayer. So uh, Michael Mayer is every bit worth the hype that you hear as far as I am concerned. Now, I don't know that he's... I don't know that he's going to test as well as even TJ Hawkinson tested, never mind what Kyle Pitts tested at the tight end position. So you kind of have this positional value, athletic upside. He graded out as an 85 for me on the nose, which is a first round grade for a player. And I know Mayer has been floating around in all of our TDO 100 updates as a top what what would you say, Joe, is a safe top eight player? Eight, eight to 12, I think, is probably pretty fair. So uh, I think he's he's been ranked in that range for us, I think, because we, we know he's safe. We know he's a high floor player. We know he's going to translate to the pro level very well. There's not a lot of questions about his resume or his transition. And I think that's where... When I want to talk about Michael Mayer, I'm really going to focus my energy is the things that he does at Notre Dame and the direct correlation to what that is going to be to what he does at the NFL level. Because you see all these tight ends that come out, not necessarily Kyle Pitts, who posted a thousand yards in his his rookie season. And I took an L on that with the built bars. Um, But the inline tight ends, they get drafted. Think about Trey McBride this year, right? You think about uh, Hunter Long with the Dolphins. You think about all these guys who played the NFL level or at the college level, and then they go to the pros, and you effectively have to know how to simultaneously be an offensive lineman and be a pass catcher, specifically in the middle of the field. And those two hats that you wear creates this very challenging dynamic for transitioning to this position where you don't see a lot of these guys peak until year three and actually fulfill their potential. I don't have that concern with Michael Mayer. And he said recently his decision to go to Notre Dame was rooted in being ready for the NFL. And I actually think that they've done a a very good job in prepping Michael Mayer for life in the NFL. He's one of those guys who 
played as a freshman and probably could have made the jump right away. I mean, he was that effective for Notre Dame and he, he set the uh, program record for tight ends against BYU midseason uh, for receptions by a tight end. That's pretty significant when you consider the the lineage of tight ends that have come through Notre Dame. He's third all time in receptions by any player, regardless of position in Notre Dame history. He edged out Jeff Samarja uh, for a throwback name uh, for people in our age demographic that, that remember uh, what was, was his nickname? Shark Samarja. Chicago Cubs legend. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uber productive player. Um Love the way he blocks. There's the baby Gronk nickname, and I don't think that's an accurate depiction. He's more to me Jason Witten than Rob Gronkowski, if that makes sense. And I went through it. I was trying to ask myself, okay, who's a player comp you really like for Mayer? And I went back to like the late 2000s. Like that that was because he, kind of a throwback in that regard. That's the style of player he is. He's not a 4-5 athlete. I don't think he's going to run away from a lot of guys. But this dude's contested catch capability and hands in the middle of the field and traffic is unbelievable. And then Notre Dame gets down inside the five-yard line in the low red zone, and they take him in short motion, and they run a tunnel screen with him to try and get a touchdown. Like, like he, he still has that capability, and you, you want to manufacture touches in space for him. Really physical. He'll, he'll use his size. I think he did a better job of that this year, bumping guys off in the middle of the field to create some separation, but he's never going to be a runaway guy. And so people are going to look at the, the 40 time and above average athletic profile. And they're going to say, man, like this, this guy shouldn't go high in the draft, but I think because he can hit the ground running, he can impact the passing game and the receiving game. And I think he, he's really got some X factor traits with what he's able to do in tight spaces as a tight end earned a first round grade. Would not be upset at all if my team drafted him in the top 16 of this year's draft, especially with what the class looks like in general. And um, it was nice to see him live up to the expectation that we've had throughout all of this time. But interesting study, but but not not a lot of questions with who he is. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I haven't done the deep dive on Michael Mayer, but I, I did this summer and I, I kept track of him this year. And he's a super likable football player. I think high floor is a good way to put it. There's a there's something about the way that he competes and plays the game that I think anybody would would appreciate and say, yeah, I'd love to have that guy in my team. Um, and so I don't I don't really have any debate or questions about the skill set. What I what I'd love to get into you with uh, get into here with you, Kyle, is the valuation piece of it because this is where I think it's going to be hard. Uh, for a lot of people. And I want to start by acknowledging that I think the NFL has done a bad job historically drafting tight ends. Um, look at look at the best ones right now. Travis Kelsey, third round pick. George Kittle, fifth round pick. Uh, you mentioned Jason Witten. Was he a three? Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys. So. Just it, there's, there's a discrepancy between like the best tight ends historically and how they're acquired. I know Greg Olson. Was Greg Olson a first round pick? I need to I need to know that right now. I, I believe he was. Yeah, he was, he was uh, 31. 31. Oh, 31. Yeah, I got my my numbers mixed up. But the but the point here, do you remember when Greg Olson had consecutive receiving yard uh 1000-yard seasons and it was like the first time ever a tight end did that and like Travis Kelsey now is like nine in a row. Uh, point the point that I want to make here Kyle is is what what about Michael Mayer makes him different than 
from a valuation perspective, I'll just toss out some names and I know that these aren't all going to be fair, but just tie it all together. Pat Fryermuth, um, Cole Komet to an extent. Uh, what makes, why, why was Hayden Hurst the 25th pick in the draft? But you know, good tight ends like Mark Andrews and Dallas Goder were 49 and 86. Like, how do you, how do you do this, man? How could you, how could you make me f- feel good about the valuation component here? Well, I think some of, some of those names got a guy like Pat Fryermuth, right? He, they didn't, he didn't touch the production that, that you have with Michael Mayer. Now, Fryermuth was a three-year player at Penn State, put up 92 receptions for 185 yards. If you're a tight end prospect in college football and you catch 100 balls, you had an awesome resume from right. a production standpoint. Right. Mayer's got 180. So I think the volume of and the workload that he received, and I understand some of that ties back to the system, and production is, is not a a predictor necessarily for NFL success. I understand that. But if, as I look at a lot of those names and I look at the offenses that they run, what was Penn state? Well, Penn, Penn, Penn state is kind of this college spread option type, got a quarterback that runs around like a chicken with his head cut off. Right. Think about Oklahoma and the Lincoln Riley spread offense. Um, what other names did you invoke here? Hayden Hurst. It was, did Hayden Hurst, I mean, Hayden Hurst was effectively a glorified slot player. So, so it, translatability production. I think, I think that's what it is. I think that's, that's the best way to explain it. Now I can't explain why the league chooses to draft certain guys above other guys. I couldn't right. tell you why they drafted Hayden Hurst and Mike Gusecki in front of Dallas Goder. No clue. Didn't make sense. But from a looking at Mayer, it's a one for one for what he's going to be asked to do by the vast majority of teams. And because that correlation and translatability is there, I think it increases his individual demand and therefore he would get drafted earlier. My last follow up here is treat this in a vacuum the best that you can. If I'm a fan of a team that makes Michael Mayer the 17th pick in the first round. What are my expectations for Mayer to make me believe that that pick was worth it? Yeah, I, I struggle with that a little bit. Like, how do you how do you define success for a player like my Mayer relative yeah, like to his draft what, stock? Right. Like, okay. What should my expectations be for Mike, Michael Mayer if my team makes him a, a top 20 pick? You know what is really what I really appreciate about that question is we here at the Draft Network this year uh, have restructured the way that we do reports. And the last paragraph of my body of text starts with expectations for Mayer. Would you like me to read it? I would love to hear it. Expectations for Mayer are exactly what you would expect for a tight end discussed as a potential top half of the first round player at the position. He's going to win as both a blocker and a receiver and should quickly become a trusted target for his quarterback. Mayer should be a staple on the roster across multiple contracts for the team that drafts him. So 
I expect 2023 significant contributions for Michael Mayer. And I expect him to be a multi-year contract with that team. And however much of your volume you want to run through the tight end position is up to you. But I would imagine if you're going to make the decision to draft Mayer in the top 16, mm-hmm. you're probably going to run significant volume through him. And he will be a Mark Andrews type player for a team. That'd be huge. I think um, I, I I worry a little bit for Mayer because we, we like this tight end class a lot. We do. I, I worry how much of the questions that I've brought up convinces teams to say, you know what? I like Tucker craft. I like Dalton Kincaid. I like, you know, whatever tight end. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. I mean, there's, there's other guys, Sam Oporta, whatever guys you like to be like, man, how much of that player can I get in the next two rounds? I love Michael Mayer. I'm not, I'm not bringing up these questions because I'm not in on Mayer and I don't see him the same way you do. I just think from like the overall valuation of him, I feel like these are the inevitable conversations that are coming. You're absolutely right. And, and I, I don't have the good answer, but you know, that that's the economics of the draft that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so, some team will get to a point that says, well, we knocked off the rest of the guys that we have. That's definitively our top guy. Let's just draft him because he's best player available and he happens to fit a need. I would imagine he won't go he won't go in the Noah Fant Kyle Pitts stratosphere. No, Noah Fant went 20. Who uh, well, Hawkinson. Yeah, he, but that athleticism the, changes the conversation for those two guys, right? You're expecting like, oh my God, we right. have a legit seam Jimmy Graham type Antonio Gates gonna revolutionize can, the way our offense can play. Is <laughs> That, I don't want to open up a whole other can of worms here. So I would say I agree, but I don't, <laughs> well, that's a, fair I don't or not, know how that's much. a lens. If I get a tight end like that, Fant, Kyle Pitts, Eric Ebron, these like crazy athletes, you're expecting a unicorn, right? I, I don't, I don't know that I would care that much relative to just the historical traditional values of the position is still super valuable. I don't know that it would move. I don't know that you running a four five versus a four seven two is going to move me is going to move you that much further up the board for me as a tight end. Fair or not, but when but like it's the romanticization of thinking about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god, I can send Eric Ebron down the seam, and nobody can deal with him, and it opens up everything for my offense. But like, sometimes that doesn't happen, right? But all right, I I feel like. That was probably more time than Chris wanted us to spend on. on yeah, he's this. he's sitting here fidgeting more than yeah, I am. Yeah, you can tell so. he's starting to move. So when are we going to get to the Broncos? Joe still has to talk about his guy. Um, can I, shall I? I don't know if this one will be as lengthy, but uh, I, I also checked the tape on a, on a prospect from my region. Very similar situation. My guys uh, that have declared and have been uh, committed to the Senior Bowl haven't been uh, quite like uh, Damian and, and Keith. Keith <laughs> is swimming in them, Bro- dude. Brother, man, they uh, you're exactly right. They're swimming. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State, uh, another uh, prospect here that I think is going to be heavily discussed. Um, unfortunately, this season, just there just wasn't a whole lot to say about it. I mean, he played in three games. He played a total of 60 snaps. He caught four passes. I, I mean – this was very much a lost year, and I know that he had injuries that he was working through. Um, and so you, you kind of go back to the 2021 
uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, where he had 1,600 receiving yards and set the Big Ten record for yards in a season and outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who are already studs in the NFL. And man, you you can you can love what he was able to do in that one season uh, that uh, he was productive. And that's, that's what makes it challenging with JSN is because he only has one season of production and my goodness, there's so much to like about the way he plays the game. He's so smooth. Everything he does is very natural, um, very talented route runner, getting in and out of breaks. I think he's very deceptive. I love his body control. Uh, Obviously he gets a chance to run a lot of, uh, option and choice routes for Ohio state. And I I think he reads coverage very, very well and knows where to make himself available for the quarterback. Uh, Good spatial awareness, catches the ball. Well, has ball skills. I mean, there's, there's a lot to like about the cerebral nature of Jackson Smith and Jigba and and how translatable so much of that is going to be for uh, an NFL offense where you're seeing more and more spread concepts where I think he can absolutely feast. I, I, where you have questions about JSN is the same questions that we had coming out of the summer. And I don't know that he was going to answer this one this year. It's just like, what type of top end speed does he actually have? I, I, I don't think we're talking about an overly dynamic athlete. I think he's smooth. I don't think he's very sudden. And not that that's a disqualifier. Uh, I said this on our staff meeting yesterday when we talked about JSN, but if you took a list of the 15 or 20 fastest 40-yard dash times at the NFL Scouting Combine among wide receivers, you're not going to see a list of the 20 best receivers in NFL history. You're going to see a lot of guys that didn't do a thing in the league, right? So it's not being having elite speed isn't a like a qualifier that you're going to be an amazing wide receiver. But for a guy that you're looking at and you're, you're, you're looking at him through the lens of, okay, this is a top wide receiver prospect, I think you can look at his explosiveness and say, yeah, I wish he had more. Um, and what does that mean for his ability to really be a big play threat down the field? You know, cause does everything have to kind of be in a box for him? And then the other layer to it is, you know, this is a guy that feasted from the slot, uh, whether it was aligning in the slot or some short motions to get him some free releases. He has really enjoyed free releases and that's okay. You're, I mean, NFL teams live in 11 personnel. You're going to have a slot receiver. That's, he could still be a meaningful guy, but uh, he's at least going to have to develop in that area, right. To be able to play on the outside and win those heavyweight battles and, you know, beat the sideline, which is an undefeated defender. You know, they, that's the, I'll put, put the sideline in the hall of fame for defense. It's never lost a single matchup in its life. Right. So it's just a different ball game out there. Um, so those are kind of the questions that come in addition to, okay, one season of production. And uh, this year was just a, was tough to, to reconcile in the overall, uh, evaluation assessment of the player. So I think he can be a really good player in the league, but he doesn't necessarily leave while the iron's hot, if you will. Right. And, and you're kind of, you're kind of stuck. Um, you're kind of stuck with the same questions we had coming out of 2021. Yeah. I, I am going to struggle with that one. Cause like you said, he's a likable player, but for the same question that you asked with Michael Mayer, of okay, what what's the opportunity cost for a high four or five slot receiver? I think people would tell you well, Cooper Cup, right? Or I mean, my comp for him is Robert Woods. I mean, can, yeah, can he be that type it, of player? Right, that's your hope. 
If you if you want to bank on him being Cooper Cup, go ahead. It's a tough. I know that's not a right. rock world I like that to does. live in, and, <laughs> and that's why for me, and like in real life, he probably wouldn't be for me at any point. Right? There probably become a point in time where the drafter I would say, "Oh my God, yeah, I I have to pick him," but he wouldn't be a high priority like guy for me. Oh, okay, I have a fun question. All right, and this is very arbitrary, and I understand it. It's way off the cuff, and you're not probably going to have a fair amount of time to think oh, about. Good, this. good, thank you. But. I, and I'll answer it too if you if you'd like. But <laughs> what what number in the draft order do you think that moment would come for you? Would be like, man, I just got to draft him. Yeah, I got to pick him. Uh, probably yeah. somewhere outside the top fifty, and maybe in this draft, top forty. Right? Like, like I way that this board is really stacking is we're gonna mock drafts are gonna be goofy. All right, they're gonna be goofy. Because you got to fill 31 spots. I'm glad you said top 50 because that was where uh, if I'm if I'm 54 on the board and he's there, I'm like, yeah, I have to draft him. Right. But again, the opportunity cost and you see day two wide receivers every year. Mm-hmm. It's there. There's going to be other likable talents for, for you for you to pound the table that early on a, on him with his profile like you laid out. It's challenging. All Come right, here, Chris. I have, got, I, I have an announcement for everybody before we get to the Levy Grail for the Denver Broncos. And the beautiful part about this announcement is the two gentlemen on the show don't know about the announcement yet. They will I never have know. no clue what you're going to say. That's the best part about what we do here. Yeah. And so I want to tell everybody here on the show that we are doing the Draft Dudes Bowl Pick'em Challenge here oh, on the show. Go. The three of us are participating. You, the listeners, are participating. And we are teaming shambles with our good friends over at Run Your Pool. So we're teaming up with them to host a bowl pick'em challenge. Very simple. All you do, you pick the winner of all the games from the Bahamas Bowl to the National Championship. You get the most picks right, you win. Picks are made straight up, no spread, and signing up takes less than 60 seconds. The best part, free to play. And oh, by the way, did I mention the most important thing of all? The winner gets $1,000. How about that? The Draft Dudes Bowl Pick'em Challenge, the winner's getting $1,000. So... I'm going to put the link to this in the show description. So it will be in the show description today and tomorrow. Obviously, you have to sign up before Friday because that's when the games start. So the link will be in the description, but I'll also say it here for everybody, but it is a little difficult. So it's play.runyourpools.com backslash the-draft-dudes. I will put it in the show description for today. I'll put it in the show description for tomorrow. I'll put it in the show description for Friday so you can sign up ahead of those games. But you got to sign up. 43 bowl games for us to pick. $1,000, the Draft Dudes Bowl Pick'em Challenge. We're all going to be in there. Come be better than us at making picks. So it should be a lot of fun. Is it so, confidence points? Or is it just winners? Just, just pick them. Just pick them, baby. Wow. Okay, I like that. That that's a bummer because I have historically done very well when we do this every year with the confidence points. But if you're going to tell me that there's a thousand dollar cash prize that somebody is going to get, we're going to give it the old college try. Well, wait, I mean, we can't we can't win. Hold oh, on, we're, you didn't we're, say we're, that. We're not. It's it's our soul. Who's trying just, to win the prize? Well, come on, man. What are you? Do? Oh, I'm, gonna get my, I'm, I'm gonna get my wife to sign up. <laughs> okay. Right, that's really going to get everyone in there, Kyle. I'm going to be keeping an eye on the signups now. My my daughter and my dog might sign up too. I don't know. So yeah, so that link will be in the description below for everybody to sign up in the show description, and I will I'll post it in the Discord. I'll post it everywhere so that people can see it. But there you go. That was my announcement. Very exciting, Chris. You're also up to set the table here for us as well for Levy Grail, Denver Broncos. Welcome to the Levy Grail. Welcome. 
From Joe? an anonymous European writer in the 14th century. Fight on, my men. Come, my men. I am hurt, I am, hurt. I am not slain. I am not slain. I'll lay me down a I'll while. lay me down in a while. See, I can't even do this with you doing that <laughs> nonsense that nobody wants. The worst part is I was going to join in if you kept going. I can't, like, <laughs> shut up for a second, damn it. Fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. Welcome to the Levy Grail, Denver Broncos. You are eliminated from the postseason. Okay, so the rules of the game are as such. You can't say anything negative. Right? So this has to be mm-hmm. all positivity. Spreading mm-hmm. it. See, it's it's do do better day today. Make good, Is that correct? Make, make good, good day today. Yeah. It's, it's make good day. We're gonna make good with the Denver Broncos situation. So I think the first thing that I have to start with is you have some pretty significant defensive talent at your disposal. Oh, that that you tell me Denver Broncos it's the first thing that stands out to me and, and I think the areas in which Denver really could stand to improve are historically low value positions which I think gives you a greater opportunity to effectively address those needs because it's not going to be as hard to find a reasonable market investment to make at linebacker right it's interior defensive line I think getting more depth there will be good for them as well. So those are spots that it should be easy to find quality options to fulfill your biggest upgrade opportunities on that side of the ball. That's a good thing. And then you have a lot of key cornerstones. You have some exciting young players like Pat Sertain II, like Baron Browning and his emergence that he has. Nick Bonito looks like he's going to be a successful player. Randy Gregory's under contract. Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in the league. So uh, you start doing the math. What you need a strong safety. You need a replacement for Jackson at safety. You need some line, some more dynamic linebacker play to help you play the the Travis Kelseys of the world, and probably some more bodies to to have a rotation on the interior defensive line. You can get that done this season, and this defense can be every bit as good as it was this year, and then some. I um I always like to bring up the assets that the teams have to improve their roster. And I was pleasantly surprised by what Denver has just based on the trade that they made. And and obviously some contracts that they've handed out recently, but the Denver Broncos enter this coming off season with $19 million in cap space, which is not a huge amount, but it's also a decent amount. And where I think you can take some real, satisfaction in that is that you have 46 players under contract for next year. That's the second most in the league. And so you're not like sitting here in scramble mode to fill out a roster. You're in pretty good shape where you can really just focus on building and adding to what you already have in place. And Kyle already went through and mentioned a lot of the talent that they have. Um, Look, even Devontae Williams coming back is going to be a big thing. You paid Tim Patrick. He's going to come back healthy finally you've had bowls on injured reserve all year Gregory's been injured reserve Quinn Miners has been banged up Billy Turner like you're gonna get some guys back but you do have cap space to help improve your roster and for a team that just gave up a ton of draft capital to get Russell Wilson you're not devoid of draft capital you you're looking at next year you you have a first round pick you're able to recoup back in the Bradley Chubb trade now you don't have Bradley Chubb but if you weren't going to sign him back, getting that first round pick under these circumstances is a great thing. 
And then you still have your own third round pick and the Colts third round pick. Oh, they get an extra three. Yeah, dude, they're probably, they, they have a first round pick and probably two top 75s, right? So like, you're still in a decent spot. Not to mention you have a four, five, six, and uh, four, five, and six as well. So you have a reasonable amount of draft capital still at your disposal. Um, despite giving up a bunch of it here recently. And that whole stretch of time where you thought you weren't going to be picking in the first round, it's over with already. You've already, you've already went through it, right? You've already went through a year without a first round pick. You have one next year and then things kind of normalize again in 2024 from a draft capital perspective. So I thought the assets that this team had in the coming years were much better than I was thinking they were going to be when I started researching this, this morning. The, um, that 49ers pick is going to be an interesting one to see what they do with. And if I'm being honest, you know, based on this is probably going to be a mid twenties pick at best, you know, and maybe they lose in the, the wild card round, depending on what happens at quarterback. But you think about the teams that are going to be in the wild card round as the, the, the wild card teams versus San Francisco. We're expecting that they will beat the Seahawks and win that division. They've created a little bit of separation there. They'll have a home playoff game. They'll probably go to the divisional round. There might even be another neat opportunity there to trade out of that pick and give yourself even more capital to have flexibility with moving forward, too. So I think that that's a very exciting opportunity, although I'm sure everybody in the 20s is probably going to be interested in trading out just based right. on what we look at with this year's uh, mock drafts and stuff and the valuations of players. But there's still time for the dust to settle there, and there'll be guys that emerge. So um, I think that's a great point. And and then, Chris, yes? Well, I, I wanted to add my thoughts here. Go ahead. I, Go I ahead. had something. And I do not mean this as a troll. I mean this statement very seriously. I know some people are going to think I'm trolling when I say this, but I mean this very seriously. It cannot get any worse than it was this season from a coaching and quarterback perspective combined. You hit rock bottom in that regard from coaching malpractice, from poor decision making, from poor quarterback play, just the the combination of those two things. I cannot see a, a, a realm of possibility where it gets worse than that going into next season. So if you are looking for positives, it's that's probably the worst it's going to be. Well, and one of the things that I had written down, uh, Chris, to kind of build off of of what you said there was I have written down in my notes, opportunity to assess, right? You've, you've been through this year and whether or not you retain coach Hackett in or not, uh, or you've, you've had your ownership now in place where you can look at all of this and, and pull some levers that you've had the opportunity to intelligently pull or not pull. And, and I think that's going to be helpful for them to have that perspective going into this next off season. How about if you're stacking talent if and you're Denver? You have to compete against Justin Herbert offensively, and you have to compete against Patrick Mahomes offensively, right? That's the strength of your roster, too. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, you think about the, the Chiefs, they are a middle-of-the-road defense. The Chargers have a lot of talent. They haven't necessarily been able to piece that together this year consistently. I know they've been banged up, but the fact that you look at that AFC West and your strengths measure and match the strengths of your division, I think is another talking point that probably gets 
glossed over, but as the Broncos try to strategize where to go from here, uh, it makes you feel good about your chances of, of doing that successfully and contending in the West next year. Yeah. I love that talking point. I didn't, I didn't consider that one at all. Um, and I think where I would kind of expand on that is just like, not to be redundant with what you already said, but like, what are they three and 10? Like it's terrible record, but you're not a three and 10 talent, right? That that's gotta feel right. good. You're right. not the Texans. You're not the bears, the teams we've already done. Like you're so far wow. ahead of those teams. Good hey, thing those listeners are listening because the they, caught body. The they, they got it last well, week because they just caught a fairness, body. Their Levy Grills are done, right? We can be right. negative about them again. Right. So. You had your 10 minutes. <laughs> well, that's the thing, man, is they got dudes. They got some players, man, and they're going to yes. get healthy. And it's just it's not a it's not a situation where you need everything. And and they have enough resources to write the ship. You're going to be more familiar with your operation um, and what Russell Wilson can be for you. And, and obviously you'll be able to make that decision to head coach. So the Broncos are 0 and one, one and one, one and two, two and two, two and three, two and four, three and four, three and five, three and six, three and seven, three and eight and one score games. So you talk about, Law of averages, regression or progression to the mean. The Broncos next year are going to be a very obvious leap forward candidate just based off of the math of being minus five in one score games this year. This is your new thing. Your your one score games is a has become a Kyle Krabs staple. Yeah, it's it's like uh living off turnovers, right? It's sustainability. It's just it's law of averages says you're not going to not get the bounces of the ball 75% of the time. Listen, I get it. I the Bills were five and oh in one score games in 2020. Last year they were one and six. I think this year they're five and three. So I get it. So there you have it. Broncos, Levy Grail in the books, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks to your friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show. Chris, remind everybody again the um uh the college football bowl pick'em. Where can where can everybody find that? Play.runyourpool.com backslash the dash draft dash dudes. There you have it. Hope you guys had a great time with us today. Come on back, see us again tomorrow. And thanks for listening. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.